originally from Missouri. I'm a long ways from home, but I'm happy to be in this area. Uh, my wife took me and I moved here almost three years ago. Crazy how quickly it has been since we've been here. But um, we lived in Philly for the first couple years, but we recently just moved to New Jersey um, about a month ago. Now we got a house, we lived in an apartment with our two kids. And it was wild living in a small apartment with a couple kids. So we um, were able, thankfully, to get a house here recently and um, work about five minutes with my in-laws. So we have a couple of kids now, which is fabulous. Um, they can see their grandparents. Their grandmother comes and hangs out with the kids during the day while I'm working and, and while Tiffany's working and stuff. So, um, anyways, it's been a crazy year. Um, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing jeans. This is the first part of camp I've worn in at least a year. Um, I don't think I've worn pants like this in at least a year. Maybe longer. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, so work for it. I I could have, but I felt like be somewhat normal. This is normal. That's your church bag. This is my church bag. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so yeah, I grew up in Missouri, uh, southern Missouri, and basically with Branson. I live close to there, or as I call it, Old People Base. That's basically what it is. Um, anyways, I grew up there. We moved up here because my wife had an opportunity and couldn't pass it up. And um, we moved up here and met these fine folks right here almost immediately. Like, I think within the A1. Yeah, I think, I think you guys were at Justin's house when we, when we roll up in our room all like, hey, we're staying the night here for tonight because it's raining and we're not moving in the rain. But, anyways, um, yeah, so we're here and I'm thankful that I get this opportunity to uh, hang out with Alice. And, yeah, those start. Was it really that long since we talked about it? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess COVID does that to you, right? It's like that. We're grown adults now. Um, anyway, so uh, apparently we're talking about heaven and hell. Which is um, a lot of times really can be very scary because there are so many preconceptions about what heaven is, what it looks like, or what hell is, and what it looks like. So um, I think Alice has done a really good job with kind of setting the stage a little bit about um, some healthy ways to look at hell and, and heaven. And um, I think that's really important because how we look at heaven and how we look at hell can determine how we live right now. Um, and that's kind of more what I want to talk about today. I don't want to talk about the afterlife so much as I want to talk about what heaven and hell is like on earth. Um, so, a quick little, uh, I wanted to read this because it's kind of something that I wrote out. It's kind of get, let you know where I'm coming from. Um, but I believe that heaven is a place where God's will is perfectly aligned with us in our wholeness and our completeness. I believe hell to be the exact opposite, where we never allow God's ways to be enacted constantly fight God's will, and in turn are willing to be made whole. So whether that be in the afterlife and the time to come, or in the now, um, I think that that's a, a really bigger reality. So I wanted to talk about heaven and hell in our lives right currently, where we're living, where we're standing, all that. So, I wanted a few examples of heaven in this life. Um, I guess, so just to give you a heads up, there's a couple silly ones more serious ones, but the silly ones, um, silly slash cute, maybe, in this case, um, I believe that heaven on earth, for me, is in the morning or at night when I get that good morning hug for my kids, or, in the, or at night before we go to bed, have a funny little thing with my daughter where I say, see you tomorrow, you know, like tomorrow morning, it's a thing that she made up, which is adorable, she's five, and she, she stole my heart, and I will do whatever she tells me. 
you know, I mean, it's one of those deals. Uh, my son's here hanging out with the, the boys, so hopefully uh, they're being nice to each other. <laughs> but uh, anyways, that's, a, that's an example for me of heaven on earth. I love that. It's one of my favorite things. Um, another one is when I tell a joke that my wife actually laughs at. Um, <laughs> fellas, we're not that funny. We think we're funny, but we're really not that funny. Amen. See? <laughs> uh, but if I get a laugh out of my wife, that is the best. That's one of my favorite things. Another thing that I believe is an example of having on Wawa. I love Wawa. When we moved here and I got to experience one of those pretzels, it was like, oh, this is um, and what's funny is my mom was to visit, she came to visit uh, last year, before COVID, and, and she literally bought like four or five pretzels, and she took them home with her, she was in Missouri, hilarious, and I actually sent her some of the mail, I don't know how good they were, but she didn't care, she loved it, I sent some of the mail, which is hilarious. Um, so some real examples of heaven that I believe that are way more serious and, and way more of a bigger deal, um, when you see reconciliation of a broken family, so when you've got estranged parents from their kids, or maybe the siblings that aren't getting along because of whatever, um, all of those kinds of things, when those people come together, there's something about that that just screams, that's heaven. That's what heaven would be like. Another one is generosity. When people are generous with their time, when they're generous with their money, um, I think that's a big deal because I know that that's one of the things that Jesus asks of us is to be generous with our time and money. And however we can be generous, he would love that. Think that when you're being generous, what that mean to the homeless guy that you see inevitably on the Pittsburgh Parkway down at the bottom, which is in Philly, um, or wherever in Philly, because it's obviously a big problem. Uh, whether it be that, whether it be to a church, whether it be to an organization that you uh, love to support, anytime that you're being generous, I think that that's an example of heaven happening right now. Another one would be um, compassion and empathy, and I think that those kind of go hand in hand. Um, part of the, it's kind of connected to the generosity of the giving to the poor. Um, loving your enemies, whether that be, you know, in America it's weird because your enemy is the person that's on the other side of the political spectrum, which is hilarious to me, that's a crazy enemy. But, you know, maybe in, in the time of Jesus that would have been the Romans. Um, you know, the Jews and the Romans didn't see eye to eye on things. Whether that's a conquering country coming into you and taking over your land. Or, you know, in war that the other side. Um, loving your enemies. And I heard a perspective about loving your enemies that essentially when you love your enemies, you realize that they're not really your enemies. So you're able to love them as brother or sister. I thought that was an amazing thing. Um, also, acceptance of those that like you. Um, yeah, we're all different. And that's amazing. I, I love the celebrating the diversity and the difference, uh, even different religions, like all that. I love it. It's beautiful when everybody's together. We just accept each other for who, who they are. We don't have any agendas. We're just loving those people because they're humans. Um, they're our brothers and sisters because technically on that level, we're all the same, right? You know, we're all humans. Um, so there's that. Um, and there might be other examples of that. And so now I want to talk about the cops. And I do have some silly examples of hell, and I think you might all agree with me here. Um, anybody that lives in Philly, or do you guys all kind of live, everybody kind of live close? But you've been to Philly, right? And you've driven on Highway 76 on the Scoople. Hilarious spelling for a way to pronounce that word, I don't care. Um, but <laughs> going on the Interstate 76, Interstate 676, Interstate 476, the blue, whatever. 
Friday, Friday nights, the worst, literally the worst thing, you're driving half a mile an hour and it takes you two hours to get right here going. That's hell for me. That was personally hell I would That's probably most of us, right? Uh, when your favorite sports team disappoints you, again. Now, growing up in Missouri, I grew up a Kansas City Chiefs fan. They disappointed me my whole life until two years ago. And then they did it again the next year for the Super Bowl. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going But really, I know that's a big problem. Because the Sixers have been terrible since the 80s. But they're good again. Go Sixers. I'm rooting for them. Joe and me, fix your knee, bro. I need you back. Uh, <laughs> um, but Phillies, I mean, I guess they have had a little bit of success. And they're okay. But you know what I mean. Philly fans are long suffering the Eagles for so long. So sad. I celebrated their win from Missouri. Like, yeah, you beat the Patriots. I beat the Patriots. Yes. Phillies. Again, they're sad sometimes. I wish it was funny. Side note, this happens. I'm a Cardinals fan. St. Louis Cardinals fan. Grown up Cardinals fan my whole life. They came to Philly uh, last month. Got to go watch my team play the Phillies. It was awesome. I was sitting there, surrounded by people in red, I'm like, oh, we're all rooting for the same thing. No, they were booing my team. I'm like, hey, shut up. You know, like, I want to be like that, but I'm scared. You don't mess with Philly fans. They throw batteries at Santa. So, um, allegedly, they don't get a lot of people like that. Bring it up. All right, some real examples of hell in this life. And this one is um, a little bit closer to me, not because it's, I've experienced it myself or because I know people, but because of my job. So, the job that I do to get money. Um, that is actually a pretty cool job. I work for a lab. And any of you guys that know Justin, I work in the same place that Justin worked. He moved on. But bigger, better things in the world. You know. um, <laughs> but anyways, um, I work at a lab that does drug and alcohol testing. Um, on top of drug and alcohol testing, we also get cases that have to deal with um, whether they're alive or dead. Okay, so we do drug and alcohol testing with them. Typically, if it's an overdose, that's an example. Um, we get those a lot. Drug overdoses, whether it be from the hard drugs of the street drugs or whatever, or maybe it's an overdose of a mental health medicine that they're taking to help themselves. It happens. Sometimes on purpose with suicide, um, whether it be an overdose on, on suicide or whether it be another form of suicide. I see this every day. It's a big problem. It's a big problem, especially in this country. Um, you know, well, opioids is one of those things also that's connected that. You know, part of our job as a company is to determine, like we've been collecting data for these companies and the government and all that stuff, just to see how big the problem really is. And that's one of the things that I see every day. I read these cases, and you know, not only does it affect adults, but it's affecting kids. You know, when parents are addicted to drugs, mothers are passing that addiction off to their babies. And one of the biggest things that we're doing right now is we collect umbilical cords and make drug testing on umbilical cords. It's insane, the problem is. And I would think that's pretty hellish, right? That's not what we would expect God to want for us. Another thing is poverty. We see, you know, I hinted into that, that a little bit ago with about um, the homeless or whatever. And, you know, poverty is a hell on earth, especially for those people. You know, it's sad for all of us, if, you know, all of us that have jobs and homes and all that stuff. But for them, I can't imagine what it's like to live with that. That's a hell. Um, and then racism. Obviously, that's something that we've seen a lot here more recently. It's really coming to light. And 
while there are strides being made, you know, it's not a problem that's being fixed right away. That's a that's an ongoing thing that we're going to be dealing with. And I think that as a follower of Jesus, that's a big deal for me. Is when I see it, man, it hurts so bad. And I know that for the people that are experiencing that racism, man, that's hell. That's a hell. Um, so I want to focus on one verse specifically, and this is what kind of inspired me to want to talk about that. Alex is like, hey, what would you want to talk about in heaven? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about the after. That's too crazy. I'll let y'all handle that. That's you guys. But I did want to talk about this verse because it kind of highlights what it is about heaven and hell on earth. And yeah, whatever you want to bring that verse is Matthew six ten. Uh, this is in the middle of the Lord's prayer, which is an incredible set of verses on you know how we should pray. Um, but the verse is Matthew six ten. It says, "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Now that indicates that. When we pray, we want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's a combining of heaven and earth as one. And, um, you know, ultimately that's what I believe would happen in the end. However that looks, I don't know. But I believe that heaven will be that combination of God's will and, you know, whatever that looks like coming to earth and that represented happening on earth and all that coming together. So when we're praying for that, um, it, it there's two approaches to this, and I was listening to a message a few days ago, and so it just kind of reaffirmed what I was feeling. This guy has much better words. It says much better, but a guy named Rich Lotus, who is a pastor in Brooklyn, and Queens specifically, um, he's at a church called New Life, and he just drops bombs on me all the time. But he says, and this is not a direct quote, but this is essentially what he said. He said, to pray your kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is the language of participation, not resignation. So in other words, when we say that, a lot of times when we say that, when we pray that, we're thinking, man, we've got to do something about this. Right? I, I can't. There's something I can do about it. You can't know. But his, his point, and this was something that I was feeling, is this verse is an invitation to join God and participate in this vision. Sorry. Making God's will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. And so this is not a, a thing that's like, well, God will take care of that later. God's inviting us to join in to what it is exactly He wants to happen on earth. He's not just saying, you guys do it by yourself. He's not saying, you got it, go ahead. But He's saying, join me. I want you to, I want your, I'm going to provide you the power for the Holy Spirit to help you take this reality. And we all have different parts to play in that. And that's the beauty of it, to go on different parts of the planet, much like in 1 Corinthians 12, is that right? No, it talks about the body. Sounds good, man. The body? The Christian body? Sure. Sure. I forget. It's been a minute. Um, <laughs> but anyways, it's the body coming together to work together to basically enact God's will and with God's power to make that happen. And also in this sermon, this was something that stuck out to me and heard, because it was true, but he talked about how Christians aren't perceived as helpful. And his point was, what does it say when the world sees Christians and they don't see help? Oh, man, the Christians are coming. That's what most people were thinking. We have not given them a reason to think, man, they're coming. I'm excited about that. That means something's going to happen. Things are going to happen. And his thing was, maybe in our lives that when the world sees Christians coming, they see hope. So I want to leave you guys with something um, that I'm asking myself, and 
anytime that I get the opportunity to speak here, um, usually what happens is it's always a thing that's happening to me first. So it's not like I'm saying, y'all do this, I'm good. That's not true. I have a lot of opportunities and a lot of ways to improve in this area. Um, and like I say, like I tell this to people all the time, when I'm preaching a message, it's going to be for me first. I'm the first person that needs to take this on and apply it. Because if I'm not trying, I'm just saying stuff, right? It doesn't mean anything. But I want to leave you with the question of, do we want to participate in the kingdom of heaven? Where we can help God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Or do we work against that and continue to create hell, create hell for ourselves or for others? I believe that when we are praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're joining in God's work. Whether that be if you have a particular heart for the impoverished, helping the homeless. Whether that be you have a heart for improving your community, uh, helping create a, a safe place for, for kids or whatever to come and just have a place that they can hang out, a safe place for them to be themselves. Um, whatever that might be for you, whatever that might be the thing that stirs inside of you an opportunity to make this world just a, even just a little bit better, what is it? I don't have any good action steps for it. This is kind of a contemplative just to think about. I think about this all the time, which is part of my problem. I think too much and I don't do anything about it. I like to sit in my thoughts. Um, so my challenge would be to think about what is it that I can do to contribute to make this world just even just a little bit better? Even if that's starting small and in your house. I can think of opportunities in my house all the time. You know, how do you, those of you who have little kids or have little kids and maybe they're older, um, you know. Babies, they don't do anything wrong ever. I know. Not yet. Give it time. As soon as they start walking, it changes. It's lovely and amazing and beautiful, and oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, so sometimes those negative feelings come out of me, and my kids get to hear about it. You know, that's an opportunity for me to help them to make my house just that much better. And then in the grand scheme of things, what am I doing to make things a little bit better for not only my house, but those in my surrounding home. Um, and, and I think that's going to be a challenge for all of us, especially in the world right now. Oh, you know what? I forgot one of my favorite examples of how social media is getting that one. That's part of the problem, I think, too. Pretty <laughs> enemies, right? Um, and I still participate in it because I'm a blood for punishment. Um, but, anyways, how can, how can we look at the opportunities in our lives? What are some things that we can change that can make it a little bit better for even ourselves? Maybe that's where it starts. Maybe we're not making good decisions with our health, which I'm not. I had an energy drink before I got there. That was probably a terrible idea. Right? It's going to kill me quicker. You know, what are the opportunities that I have to take care of myself? It's like the whole, um, in a plane's going down, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on other people. Um, that kind of idea of loving yourself so that you can love your neighbor as yourself, right? I think that's a good place to start as good as it is. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, I think that's our challenge today is understanding that we all have a small part of it. We don't gotta fix the world, right? Individually. I can't. I, I tend to look at the world and be like, dang, what's going on? How am I gonna fix this? I can't. I can't fix the big problems. I can only fix the small problems in my house, in myself. And, and creating a world that's either hell or heaven. What, what's our what's our decision, right? Because I, I think it's kind of you kind of have to choose which way do I want to go, which life do I want to lead. Do I want to um, 
basically help myself and allow God to do work in me to make me whole. Or I want to find against what God's asking me to do. I like to find in that way. Not physically, I'm huge on the sea and tell. But, you know, that's my challenge. That's my personal challenge. You know, calming down, not letting things get to me too bad. You know, I, I live inside of a world that explodes sometimes. It's crazy. You guys wouldn't know that. That was like, yeah. I don't know, maybe you see me. I, I, I get a little bit of a sometimes. But, uh, you know, that's one of my challenges. Um, so I would just challenge you to think about those things. Like, what are some things that you can improve in your life um, as a person, and then also how can you improve the lives of those around you? Um, yeah, thanks. Um, I'm going to pray for you to that, and then uh, uh, we can move on to the next thing. Um, God, thank you so much for this message. Um, helping us to realize that uh, we're not in this alone. We're not, uh, we've got your help. And that um, you've invited us to participate in the ongoing bringing heaven to earth and, and putting your will on this earth as it is in heaven. We thank you for the opportunity to empower us, speak to us, help us to see the things that we've been through on our own lives. And uh, we're thankful for this opportunity to be together. Loving us, and uh, even when we can make help for ourselves and for others on this earth, we thank you.